Good morning. Oh, let's try that again. Good morning. All right. Excellent. Excellent. Well, it's uh, good to be with you this morning. Uh, my name is Ray. I'm one of the pastors here at uh, New City, serving alongside you. And uh, the first thing we're going to do is, uh, if you're on the inside of the aisle here, there's a clipboard, and we would love for you to sign your name to that and then pass that down. But also, if you're a visitor with us today, there's a little Connect card on there. And we would love to get your information and just uh, get to know you. And right after the service, you can bring that Connect card back here to that orange table in the back. And uh, there will be somebody waiting there for you. And we have a gift for you. And so we just want to say thanks for coming today and uh, being with us and uh, spending some time with us. And so, uh, but uh, we have a vision by 2020 that every person in our church is known and that they know that they are known. All right, and so the, one of the ways that we do that is just kind of checking up on you. If you go a couple weeks missing, we want to we want to give you a ring and just make sure you're still good. Right, things are going well. Another vision that we have as a church by 2020 is that we will be an extremely generous church in all that we do. So not only in our giving each week, but also in our giving to our community. And so on November 18th, we're going to do a thing called the Big Give. Okay, and this is across all of our campuses, but then we're going to be doing some stuff specifically for our campus. So our hope is this, that on November 18th, that will be our biggest offering of the year because we're in this time of Thanksgiving, right? And so we're thanking the Lord for what he's done this past year and giving that back to him. But on top of that, there's going to be a couple different things we're going to do. As a church, we're going to be we're going to collect and have these blessing baskets that we're going to take out into the community. We're partnering with Marion Park and Crestview and some of those families that might need some food. And so we're going to take those to them expecting nothing in return. All right. And then after we take those out, we're all going to come together at some location, a restaurant. We hadn't found one yet. We will soon. All right. But we'll have a restaurant that we'll just all come together as a church family and celebrate what the stories of the people that you encountered. All right, and so that's on November 18th, right after the service is when we're going to be doing those different things. All right, does that sound great? Oh, boy. All right, we're, we're ready. <laughs> All right, but it's going to be a great time just to give back and to be generous and to be thankful for what the Lord has given us, okay? Well, today we're continuing in week two of our series, For the Next. And you've noticed that it kind of rotates through for the next you, for the next uh, family, and for the next city, and today we're going to be focusing in again and a little further on this idea of for the next you. And so what is God doing in your life? Last week we spent a little bit of time just kind of preparing our hearts, right? Readying ourselves for maybe the Lord to begin to speak to us and to show us what he has for us as an individual. And so today I hope that to clarify for you that what that looks like for us individually in this way of kind of adjustment in our life. So there tends to be three ways that we kind of react to changes, challenges, and opportunities that the Lord puts in front of us, All right? And we talked about a couple of those last week. The first one is that we tend to cry for help, right? Like, why don't you just change this and make it better? Or we try to change, or we try to convince the Lord that our will and our idea is better, right? So we cry out for help. The next one is this is that we might have a conflict of leadership. In other words, for a short moment, we forget who God is and we forget who we are. And we're like, hey, I got it. I got it covered, right? And I was reading this past week, I've started reading through the book of Hebrews. 
It's kind of my abide time, as, as Amanda was talking about. And walking through Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 1 through chapter 3, man, you want to understand the superiority of Christ and who he is? Wow. Right? Like, it rocks your world of what he is capable of doing and what I am not capable of doing. But that was awesome to sit in that as we're talking about just this adjustment in our life and allowing him to be the one that's doing the adjusting. Right, and so the third and the third way that we respond to changes, challenges, and opportunities is this: is crisis of belief. Now, in that change, in that challenge, in that opportunity, we come into a crisis of belief. Now, here's the thing: this is the way that a follower of Jesus should look to respond. All right, this is also the way that if we try to do it on our own, it doesn't quite work. This is also the way that if it were up to us, this is usually the last way that we choose to handle that change, challenge, or opportunity. And so this crisis of belief, but there's a couple things that come with this crisis of belief. Okay, the first one is this, is that that crisis, we look at the situation and it's beyond our current want to it's beyond our current know-how, or it's beyond our current resources that we have. And it becomes then a crisis, right? Because, wait, I don't have that. I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. That's where the crisis comes from. But when we step into a crisis of belief, here's the other thing. How we respond to that invitation is what we truly see about God. Right? How we respond to what he's asking us to do is how we truly see God. God is, if we step into it, then we're saying God is able to do this. But if we say stagnant and don't move, then we are going, I don't think God can handle this. Right? Like there's that balance there and that, that tough tension, if you will. But here's the thing. And the thing that we're going to kind of settle in on today, okay? Our response to him will always require some kind of action. It'll always require some kind of action. And you're like, well, Ray, how do you know that? Well, if you read the scriptures, you see it all through the scriptures. When God asks someone to do something, it requires an action, right? Let me give you a couple examples. Noah, Abram, Moses, David, Amos, Jonah, Peter, Andrew, James, John, Matthew, Saul, who would later become Paul, just to name a few. All of these men had to make adjustments in their life. They had to make change, but it required an action that brought them in a different place than where they were, right? So it requires action. So that's where we're going to settle in this morning. But here's the thing. We're going to build on this idea of adjustment, all right? An adjustment, we're foundationally talking about obedience, right? But in our obedience, we're also talking about adjustment. You're like, wait a minute. I know we got an extra hour, but you're jumbling words there. Let me say it again, okay? Adjustments are the found, we're foundationally talking about obedience. But when we're talking about obedience, it's supported by our adjustment, okay? Now, here's what I mean. Let me kind of clarify that a little bit, all right? Adjustments are not always the obedience, Adjustments are how we arrange our life so that we then can be obedient, right? So we can prepare our hearts and our lives to be obedient to what God is asking us to do. Now, here's one more, okay? This may help you clarify it a little more. Perhaps you're trying to stop something without changing anything, right? Like, I don't want that to happen, but I, or I do want that to happen, but I'm really not changing 
anything. You see that tension there? All right. So as we continue on, here's we're going to look at two stories in Scripture this morning that are pretty common stories within Scripture that maybe you've heard before. All right. But I want to use familiar ones so that we can go back to that story and go, oh, yeah, I'm doing that. Right. Like that's that's how I'm responding with my action. Okay, so the first story is going to be in Luke chapter 19, and it's the story of a weast little man who climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see, right? And his name is Zacchaeus. And so let's read through and begin there in chapter 19 of Luke. All right, it'll also be up on the screen. It says this. It says, he entered Jericho and was passing through, he being Jesus. And there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, And he was trying to see who Jesus was, but he was not able because of the crowd since he was a short man. So running ahead, he climbed up a sycamore tree to see Jesus. And since he was about to pass that way, or since he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down because today I must stay at your house. So he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And all who saw it began to complain. He's gone, he's gone to lodge with a sinful man. But Zacchaeus stood there and said to the Lord, Look, I'll give half of my possessions to the poor. Lord, and if, and if I have extorted anything from anyone, I will pay back four times as much. And Jesus responds, Today salvation has come to this house, Jesus told him, because he too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. Now, the story of Zacchaeus, right? A familiar story that maybe we've heard before. But here's the thing. When we look at Zacchaeus's life, in the course of just these short verses, there is a major adjustment made in his life, right? There is a major change in his life. This fella, Zacchaeus, is not the type that he was heavily liked in the community. He's rich because he's been stealing money as a tax collector from the people in that community. That's why his pockets are loaded, because he's been taking, as he freely so desires, taking this money in. And so here Zacchaeus is hearing that Jesus is coming to town, and he's like, okay, I got to check out this Jesus guy. And so he can't see because he's short. Some of you might have experienced that before, right? But he's short, and he can't see and over the crowd. And so he's like, you know what? I bet I can climb up that tree, and maybe I'll just grab a glimpse of him. And so he climbs up in this tree, and to his surprise... And to everybody in the crowd's surprise, Jesus, as he's walking by, comes up to the tree, looks up and says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house. Right? I'm coming to your house. Now, here's the first adjustment for Zacchaeus. Right? Because Zacchaeus didn't come down and go, well, you know, I've got dirty dishes and I haven't swept. Like, i got some things to do before you you come to my house. No, what does he say there? He says in verse... uh, Chapter 6, it says, so, or I'm sorry, verse 6, it says, so he quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. Right? He quickly came down and welcomed him joyfully. And then all of these people begin to complain. Like, wait, that isn't right. You're going to his house? You're going to Zacchaeus' house? And he goes into the house. But then look at verse 9. And look at what Jesus' response is. Now, we don't, we don't get a clear picture of what happened in that house, but we get a pretty clear picture of how he came out of the house. He came out of the house changed, right? He came out of the house different. He had adjusted something in his life because as we're going to see in here in a minute, he's going, okay, I'm rich, but I'm going to give it all away. 
right? But what happened? Well, in verse 9, today salvation has come to this house. Now, I think, you know, Jesus is good with words, right? He's really good with words. And so I think it's funny that he says today salvation because he is going to be salvation, right? In just a few short weeks, I think at this point, he's, he's going to be salvation. And he has stepped into Zacchaeus's house. And Zacchaeus doesn't know what that means yet, that he's going to the cross to die for him. But he is salvation. But also salvation has come. And we can see some clarity in that from what Paul writes later in Galatians. He says this, he says, those who have faith are Abraham's sons. So Zacchaeus has declared his faith in Jesus Christ. Like, I'm going to be a follower of you. And in that, salvation has also come to Zacchaeus, right? Because now, what does he say? He says, because he too is a son of Abraham. So salvation has come. And in that, there's this adjustment in his life. Right? This adjustment that we see in verse 8. He says, look, I'll give half my possessions to the poor. Now, if you know the tithe, you know the tenth, right? You're supposed to give a tenth. You're supposed to give a tenth to the church. And so he's like, nope, I'm, I'm going to far surpass that. I'm going to give half. I'm going to give half of it. And then if you stole something, you were supposed to just give it back. But he says, you know what? I'll pay back four times as much. Four times as much. And so he makes this major adjustment in his life, but we see him demonstrate his faith that he's just proclaimed in his what? In his actions. In his actions and the adjustment that he makes. All right? So I've got this graphic for you, and maybe this will kind of clarify it. Okay? So faith is shown through action. Right? You didn't know you're going to have to do math this morning, but we are. All right? So here we go. Faith is shown through action. Action equals our adjustments plus our obedience. Right? Like those two go together. Our adjustment leads to our obedience. Our obedience says, you know what? I'm going to adjust. And that leads then to action. And action what? Shows faith. Right? It shows the faith. So, Zacchaeus begins to have that change in his life. Now, here's how that works out for us, okay? We come to believe in Jesus, but then we demonstrate our faith through our actions, Right? And then that response is required, a response that will take adjustment and obedience. See how that all goes together? All right, so I think Henry Blackaby puts it well in his study, Experiencing God. He says this. He says, you cannot continue life as usual or stay where you are and go with God. Right? Like, let me read that again. You can't continue life as usual or stay where you are and go with God. He's going to ask you to adjust. He's going to ask you to move. He's going to prune you, as Amanda was saying earlier, right? Like he's going to ask you to do these things. Now we're going to look at the opposite of that, all right? Somebody who heard this but didn't make the adjustment, all right? And that's going to be in a chapter right before this in Luke chapter 18. And there's a fellow that we don't get his name, and it's a story that you've probably heard, right? But he's just, he's labeled as the rich young ruler. That's the title that he gets, the rich young ruler. So we know a couple things about him. We know that he's rich, and we know that he's a ruler, right? Like, we got those things down. That's who he is. But he also, just as Zacchaeus, desires to see Jesus. He desires to follow Jesus, but we find that when it gets to the point of adjustment, the rich young ruler is not willing to make the adjustment. So let's look at it, and I'll, and I'll 
clarify there, okay? So in verse, or chapter 18, verse 18, a ruler asked him, him being Jesus again, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked. No one is good but one, God. And you know the commandments. Do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness. Honor your father and your mother. And I have kept all these things from my youth, he said. But then when Jesus heard this, he told him, you still lack one thing. Now, here's the deal. I think for the rich young ruler, his ears perked up on that. Oh, I've only got one thing left. Like, I've kept all these commands. This is the last thing, and then I'm in, right? Like, I have inherited, I've gotten eternal life. And he says this. He says, sell all that you have and distribute it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven then come, follow me, right? Like make an adjustment, make an adjustment to your life. And after he heard this, he became extremely sad because he was very rich. Now, Jesus sees the expression on his face and a lot of people stop there and that's, that's the end of it. But look, if you continue going, seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, How hard is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Now, does that mean it's wrong to have money? No, no. But what has happened here in this fellow's life is that his money has become his God, right? He has put his money before God. And so those who have heard it, they ask, then who can be saved? Like, Who can be saved? Who is it that you're talking about? And he says, Jesus replies, what is impossible with men is possible with God. And then Peter said, right? Like, leave it up to good old Peter. Man, reliable old fella. And he comes in and he says, well, you know, look, we've left all that we have and we've followed you. Like, what about us? Right? Like, we've given up everything. We've made a pretty amazing adjustment to our life. And look what he says in response. He says, I assure you, there is no one who has left a house, a wife, or a brother, parents, or children because of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more at this time and eternal life in the age to come. Right? Like your blessings are going to come for the adjustment that you have made. Right? Like it's, it's there for you, Peter. You've made some major adjustments. I see that. But right now, I'm talking to this guy who doesn't want to make an adjustment, right? I'm talking to this guy who doesn't want to change anything about his life, but yet he still wants to follow me. You see, it's going to require action, and it's going to require change. Now, for us uh, in, our, in our lives, I like to give just kind of a personal story of what that looks like for us, Right? And one of our most recent adjustments that we've made to our life is that our boys this past fall wanted to play baseball. And some of you have heard the story, but here's the thing. Like, they wanted to play baseball, and so we love baseball at our house. Like, it's a thing. Graham, if you know Graham, he's all about sports. Like, it's, yeah, so baseball is a big deal. But anyway, he had to change teams from the team he was on this spring, and he's on, like, this highly competitive team. Even though it's a rec team, the coaches were a former collegiate softball player and a former minor league baseball player. So, I mean, like their expectation for a nine-year-old is is pretty extreme, right? And so we get on this team and we're like, okay, you know, we can, we can maybe work through this. They'll make him better, all these different things. But then it came down to the season started, games started. So we're practicing twice a week. Owen has a practice once or twice a week. 
And then we get to our schedule and we find out that our games, like, we're going to keep practicing and doing games. And so we quickly came to a place that we realized that we were literally going to spend five to six nights or days at a baseball field. And Abby and I sat down, I think it was on a Sunday night or a Monday night or a night, I don't remember. But anyway, we sat down and we're looking at our schedule going, we can't do this, right? Like this is not what God has asked us to do. I think at one point I even said, like God didn't ask us to move here to watch our kids play baseball. Right? Like he's asked us to move here to plant a church and to invest into people's lives. And we don't have a night to do that. And so we just prayed over that. But at the same time, funny enough, I'm going through this experiencing God study, and I'm on the week where it's talking about adjusting your life to what God wants you to do. And so I came downstairs to her and I'm like, uh, this is what this is what I'm reading. This is what as I'm abiding with Christ, this is what he's showing me, right? that we might need to make an adjustment, and that was the place that we needed to make the adjustment. And so we prayed over that, and we said, boy, we don't want our boys to be, like, frustrated with this, right? Like, angry at the church or angry at, you know, just this thing that we're doing. And we sit down with them, and we tell them, okay, boys, I think we're not going to be able to play baseball. And Graham's like, okay. Like, awesome, right? Like, awesome. Oh, and, you know, he didn't know. He had never played baseball, and so he was sad that it was going away, but he wasn't like frustrated with it. And he hadn't said a word since. But here's the even better thing on that. On the other side of that adjustment, right, the Lord has blessed us with awesome opportunities to connect with church friends, but also unchurch friends, you know? And we even had people speak into it and say, well, you know, you're a church planner, like five or six nights at the ball field is an awesome opportunity to connect with people. It is, but our team was from DeSoto, Right? West Shawnee, like the chance of those folks coming all the way to our church here is very minimal. But we have folks here, right here in this room to invest into. We have people in this community to invest into. And the Lord has opened that up now to where, you know, we have, we have freedom to do that. We're busy again, but we're busy doing what we're supposed to be doing. Not sitting at a ball field watching our boys. Right? And I'm by no means like the saint of adjustment in my life. I've made plenty of dumb mistakes as well. Like, I'm going to adjust this, right? I'm going to adjust this and not allow the Lord to do it. And what happens? Well, it just rattles off the tracks. And you're like, well, that obviously wasn't what God wanted me to do, right? But here's the thing. I don't want to be the rich young ruler, right? I don't want to step into a situation and the Lord go, this is what I'm asking you to do. Well, I'm not really sure that I can do that. I don't know that I want to give that up. No, I want to step into what Jesus is asking me to do open-handed and say, you know what, whatever you want me to do, that's what I'll do. And I trust that on the other side of that, right, you're going to carry me through that. But there's another set of folks over in Luke chapter 9 that I don't want to be like in verse 57. And there's these three guys that are following Jesus down the road and they feel like in their hearts that they want to commit to Jesus. Like, I'm with you. I want to go where you go, do what you do. And so the first guy, as they were traveling on the road, it's Jesus and his disciples, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Right? Like I just said that. I want to, I want to be open-handed to what the Lord has me to do. Right? This guy's saying the same thing. I will go wherever you want me to go. 
And then Jesus responds, foxes have dens and birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And that's the last we hear of that fellow. No more from him. He's gone. Where did he go? Well, I'm guessing that he didn't want to adjust his life to what the Lord was asking him to do. But look at the next guy. He says, then he said to another, Jesus turning to another, he says, follow me. Lord, he said, first, let me go bury my father. But he told him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. You know, this is representative of someone who is delayed in their obedience, right? They're delayed in their obedience of what God is asking them to do. Hey, come follow me. Well, I got to take care of this first, right? Remember what did Zacchaeus do? He quickly came down and went. Right? So there's this delay there. But look, Jesus says, this, this is what's far more important. You go and spread the news of the kingdom of God. Another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go and say goodbye to those at my house. But Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Again, let me take care of this first, and then I'll do what you're asking me to do. Imagine if we were a church that had a heart like Zacchaeus. In each of our individual lives, right? Back in Ephesians, we talked about how our individual lives affect the body as a whole, right? And so if we as an individual were quickly able to adjust our lives to what God is asking us to do, imagine what that would do for us as a church in what we could adjust to what God is asking us to do. I think that that would put the evil one kind of on his heels, going, whoa, wait a minute. Those folks there are willing to do whatever God's asking them to do. They're willing to adjust to whatever he's asking them to adjust. And I think that would get his knees a-knocking with a little bit of fear. Because here's what he desires for us. He desires for you to stay right where you are. Right? Because back at the very beginning, we talked about what? Every action will have an adjustment. Right? We see it all through Scripture. There's an action and there's an adjustment. And so if there's the opposite of that, it's that we don't move an inch. And I think that's what Satan so desires for us. Look, I don't want you to grow at all. Right? Amanda, in that verse she shared, right, pruning so that you can what? Bear more fruit. Grow more fruit. Grow. Increase your strength through Christ. But when we don't adjust our life... We're just saying, I don't want to prune, I don't want to adjust, I don't want to change. That's what Satan desires from us. But God desires so much more from us. He desires for us to adjust. So the question for us this morning is this, all right, what's the Lord asking you to adjust? Right? Have you been delayed in it? Like you know what it is and you're sitting there going, well, can I do this first? Right? Or Lord, what do you want me to do? What's the adjustment that you want to make in my life? There's a missionary by the name of C.T. Studd, and I think he, he says it well. He says, if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to give to him. Let me read that one more time. If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice is too great for me to give to him. Right? No sacrifice is too great. No sacrifice is too great. Because why? Well, it goes back to that conflict of leadership. Because he's God, right? Like he's got it figured out. 
We just need to submit to that and trust it and adjust our life into what he's asking us to adjust. And so what does that look like for you this morning? Right? What does that look like for you this week? What is it that we perhaps need to adjust? Because here's the cool thing. When we adjust, that creates room in our lives for him to work and for him to grow us and change us. All right, let me pray for us, and then we'll continue on. Well, Father, we thank you so much for your word and the truth of your word. And, Lord, this week and even in the weeks ahead, I pray that we be a church and we be a body and we be individuals that are willing to adjust our hearts and our lives to you and what you're asking us to do. And, Lord, may we not be delayed. Sure, there may be some hesitation, but, Lord, I pray that we step into it with bold confidence and fullness of who you are. And just as that quote said, if you are willing to give your life for us, then you probably have our best interest in mind. And so, Lord, I pray that we can rest in that. Lord, I pray that we can sit in that. And, Lord, that we can soak in that. Lord, that you care for us and you love us. And so, Lord, over these next few minutes as we play through this song, Lord, may our hearts just be spoken to today. Lord, may your Holy Spirit stir in our lives and speak to us in what you so desire for us. And Lord, through that, I'm excited to see what happens on the other side as we begin to adjust our life to that. And Lord, as you begin to work in our life and as you begin to prune back things, it's not always comfortable and it doesn't always feel good, but Lord, there is growth on the other side of that. And so we thank you for it and we look forward to it and what you have for us. So Lord, we give this time to you. We lay it at your feet. Lord, speak to us, and we just pray these things in your awesome name. Amen.